the sit, one hand. Oh, oh, oh. oh the post is broken, Matthew's in it. Oh, talk about a he-man. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. This is your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Well, we're celebrating the footy life of a ripper today, Matthew, and welcome to This Is Your Footy Life, heard right around Australia and, in fact, the globe on the World Wide Web. And thank you very much for joining us. And in the VFL, AFL, thousands of men have played the game at this the highest level. Some play and move on. Others have more of an impact. They make a lasting impression that will be indelibly recorded in the history of the game forever. Such is the case with today's guest. I get a lot of feedback around the world that you sit down having coffee or breakfast or a couple of jars and you try and work out who it is. I'll have a go at this. 40 games for South Fremantle. More importantly, 146 for Geelong between 1985 and 1994. A Sandover medalist and South Fremantle best and fairest. Four-time All-Australian. Geelong captain. Western Australian Football Hall of Fame. And now the second most famous league footballer from Lake Grace behind Nat Fife. And that is arguable. He is Mark Besto. He's on the line across the Nullarbor. And you've made it, Mark. This is the greatest accolade you can get, mate, when, when I put you on top of the, of the post. That's fantastic, Rex. Good to be on the show. What's your, what's your initial reaction when I read out your record when you're in short pants at Lake Grace running around, you know, kicking an old footy? Uh, yeah, it uh, happened pretty quickly and it was over before you probably had time to enjoy it. You know? but, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, certainly wonderful times, yeah. Were you always regarded by others and more importantly as yourself as an above average footballer or did you take a while to develop the skills that were so prevalent in your days captaining Geelong? Uh, no, I think... Uh you know, I, I played a lot of junior footy, and, and in the country, you, like all country zones, you uh, you play out of, your, out of your age group all the time because there's only probably a C grade and a D grade, and and, uh, and then you probably play you either go into the league side or you play reserves footy. So there's not there's not a great deal of options other than you know a couple of a couple of teams. So I probably showed a little bit as a youngster. Probably yeah. got a little bit got, probably got a little bit fat early, but. Uh, and then realised that I had to work pretty hard to, to get where I was going to go. Some of those bush competitions, and I'm sure Lake Grace is the time, you either get tough or you die or you get out. You know, it's uh, The thing about it is you'd won five best and fairest before the age of 22. You're a late starter before you went to South Fremantle. So you must have really given them something to think about when you got an invite to South. Yeah, well, well by the time I got to South, I was probably uh, I, exactly what you said before. I was I'd been playing against men for four or five years, and uh, and you, you you tend to grow up fairly quickly because uh, if you don't, you get spat out the back because it's just that's just how country footy is. It's uh, you either stand up and deliver or, or get pushed away. You certainly stand it up in your first stood up in your first year uh, at South Fremantle, uh, winning the coveted Sandover Medal. And there's some serious company you've got on that board when they ink your name in. Yeah, it was. Uh, I uh, I played uh, one. Uh, I remember playing one game at, at a place called Wagen in a uh, exposition game, like against East Fremantle, and that sort of get got me into. You do well. South Fremantle were pretty keen on me then. Do they swapped me for a player uh, in a deal with Bruce Monteith. Uh, he was coming back from Richmond at the time, and a bloke by the name of David Housley 
Um, so I, I played one reserves game the, the year before to qualify for South Fremantle, and then, then the deal was uh, Mel Brown was uh, in the concocter of the of the deal and, and uh, turned out to be a good one. An interesting character, Malcolm uh, Gregory Brown. I played a while with him at Richmond, and he sorted out uh, he sorted out a few things. But gee, at one stage, uh, with Cable and Farmer, he was right up there with the most famous and high-profile Western Australians in that football league. Yeah, great fella too, and uh, had a lot of association with Malcolm through state footy and and through this deal that they done with South Fremantle. Him and Mick Mullen come up with this idea that uh, Bruce Monteith uh, was buggered uh, and he, they'd swap him to Claremont. They they gave away... Claremont gave... Um, South Fremantle gave away a David Housley, which I don't even know, who, but he never even played a game for the Waffles. Yeah. So uh, they obviously had some idea what they were doing. Now, Lake Grace is four hours by car from uh, Perth. Uh, I suppose you had television in the early days and radio. Of course, that's a given. Who were your <clears throat> say? Who were your heroes as a kid that you thought, gee, I like watching this play, and I wouldn't mind being able to mark and kick and run like this bloke? Yeah, well, funnily enough, uh, you know, being uh, in a Claremont zone, I probably uh, barracked for Claremont a bit in that in the early days. It's, it's, a, it's a funny story how it all evolved, and the Cracker Brothers—they came from Mount Barker, and, and uh, they were all, all the go at that stage. And, and I suppose uh, you know some some country players that had gone before me, uh, you know, uh, that had gone from our area and played league footy and in Tom Pierce and players like that. So you probably you probably tended to follow them as a young bloke. Yeah, in 1985. Uh, as a matter of fact, folks, this is a great thrill for me. We're talking to Mark Bairstow, uh, Geelong captain, absolute star of the game and can uh, train a horse or two. He's done very, very well on and off the field. Um, after you won the Sandover... You signed with Geelong the next year, but were they the only ones knocking on the door or ringing up uh, to see if you were interested? Uh, was there an avalanche of offers across the Nullarbor? Well, I wasn't, wasn't so much an avalanche, uh, Rex, but uh, Carlton were very keen and Collingwood uh, were, were doing all the floor running at the stage. And, uh, and of course, that was the year um, the Eagles came into the competition. So Yes, yes. Uh, but the, the trouble there was Graham Moss had already swapped me uh, early in his coaching career, and he was the general manager at uh, West Coast Eagles at the time. So yes. uh, he wasn't over keen to put me in the spotlight again because he'd made the blue, swapping me from Claremont to South Fremantle, yeah. virtually nothing. And uh, so his preparation or lead up to trying to sign me up was pretty limited. He, uh, he kept telling uh, the officials that uh, I was never home. <laughs> which, uh, funnily enough, I, I, uh, didn't seem to be the, the truth. Uh, but probably Collingwood, I, I actually uh, was uh, very tempted to go there and probably would have got more money going to Collingwood. But once they yeah. uh, they took me down to Collingwood and said, you'd probably be working in this factory, I, uh, I, I thought that was uh, a bit too shut down for me. So uh, <laughs> And then they took the, uh, Mick Rapsis, who was a recruiting bloke, at, uh, and Ken Gannon quickly yeah. swept me out swept me out to Leopold and put me under them rolling hills and that was the end of me, Rex. Yeah. I spoke yeah. to Mick last night. He's on Mykonos just lying in the sun, uh, the typical Greek with the oil on top and uh, I'm sure he sends you your best wishes. Uh, he, it, 
football clubs need people wouldn't recognise the name, but he was running for Billy Goggin, you know, when uh, the messages had to get back. And uh, I can remember one day he went out to Sam Newman and he gave him a nice old mouthful and he said, you tell that little so-and-so and mix it. I only bring the messages out, uh, uh, Sam. I don't take them back. Eh? <laughs> how, how about that? Uh, Graham Moss, uh, I can't go on without saying in 1976 when I you know, was probably in uh, the prime of my career and I thought I could mark, this bloke was one of the great uh, aerologists of all time. He had that season at uh, Essendon and just blew the Brownlow to the Scheisenhausen. And he was a dominating fixture in, in the, the waffle as well, uh, Mark Bairstow. Yeah, he was, he was a terrific player. And, uh, you know, it just, he, he's, you know and, and it happens, you know, time and time again. You'll hear stories about it, how players were swapped for other players. And, you know, he just might have thought that I was a country player that was set in his ways and... And, uh, he came and seen me at the carnival and said that you, you know you're going okay, but you you need to work on this area and this area and and uh, and Brownie probably saw yeah, Brownie was a great reader of people and and he was a great uh, observer of people and how they could improve uh, under a different leadership and uh, so he was very strong to get me at South Fremantle because he reckons that I had some career ahead of me and. Yeah. Uh, and Bruce Monteith was nearly buggered, so that was, well, well, that's how it all came about. You certainly did, because it's a bee's diaphragm in whether you either went to the West Coast or Geelong, and five days uh, before the 12 EFL clubs voted to allow the West Coast into the competition, you'd signed for Geelong, and uh, you're on the dotted line, and you came across, and uh, how did you find the club? Uh, what was the first impressions of the Geelong footy club with their great history? Yeah, they were fantastic to me, Rex. Uh, I haven't got a bad... Uh, you know, I, I haven't got anything bad to say about any of them. You know, Ken Gannon done most of the the work at that stage. John Devine was who was just, uh, I think he was appointed coach the year before. Um, so he was keen to get me there and uh, no, they everybody made me welcome and, and I was a country boy at heart so I sort of fitted into the country lifestyle there so that, that really suited my football and, and consequently if you're happy doing something, you know, in them days uh, most people had a like a part-time job or did something. So I worked yeah. out on Ronnie Hovey's farm and Arthur Hovey's farm, and, and that really suited me. So it kept me happy. So consequently, you play better football. And, of course, you know, uh, at, at the, the other weekend, uh, Corey Enright and, uh, and Jimmy Bartel, 300 and, uh, and then 320-something, beating uh, Ian Nan Curvis's record. Uh, just a good example of two blokes that have just been wonderful for the Geelong Football Club and vice versa. Oh, just absolutely fantastic. You know, Corey uh, Enright was he's probably one player that's probably has never been in the limelight but until in recent years, which is unbelievable. Consider, I think he's won, what, four or five, might have even won six uh, All-Australians. So. Yes. And you look at uh, Jimmy Bartell, who's won a Brownlow medal. Uh, he's been three-time premiership player, you know, like, it's just unbelievable, and four or five Ferris and best, so, you know, and when you see players that continue to play well over a long period of time, as they have done, uh, you know, there's nothing but applaudance from me, you know, it's just uh, sheer hard work to get to where they did. Okay, folks, and uh, relays, your operators can get ready to take your break right around the nation, and in fact, the world, on the World Wide Web, and out of the break, we start just this wonderful, wonderful career by our guest today, and uh, it was an absolute rip-snorter. Folks, you're listening to This Is Your Footy Life, brought to you by Tobin Brothers Funerals. So celebrating lives, and today we're celebrating the footy life 
of Mark Bairstow. Dream rises to the top. He is an absolute legend of the game. You're listening to This Is Your Football Life with Rex Hunt for Tobin Brothers Funerals. Celebrating lives. Oh, Matty, we're just about to hit the Bairstow ladder across the Nullarbor to Cadinia Park. They can call it... Uh, Shell Oval and uh, Super Swift Oval. It's always Kedinia Park to me, and he is just part of the furniture down there. Now, Mark Bairstow, we've just got to find a little bit about you uh, for our listening audience right around the nation. Uh, what's your absolute favourite food of all time? Uh, probably Jewfish. Jewel, that's Western Australian DU fish. Beautiful, yeah. firm, white flesh. Now, Mark, if you could be anyone or anything anywhere in the world, what would you or who would you be? Uh, I'd like to come back as a ruckman. <laughs> Wouldn't you what there? There's no doubt about that. Mark Bestow, my all-time favourite movie is? Uh, Far Out. Oh, wow. How about that? And the last one in this segment, to Mark Bestow's mind, who is the greatest Australian footballer of all time? Oh, gee. That is a tough one. No, it wasn't Kenny G. Uh, I'm going to be like Eddie. I'm going to buzz you. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to go Barry Cable. Wow. We've had him on this show, and I tell you what, you are just about spot on. There's probably a handful of them you can go through, and there's not a bee's diagram uh, be, be, between them. Mark Bairstow, 87, you arrived at Geelong. Just tell us uh, the early days, uh, you know, you had some success and you made All-Australian in your first year. Tell us a bit about that year. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, people had, uh, well, people who recruited me sort of had faith that I could uh, get a kick in, in uh, most competitions and uh, I found it, you know, a tough, a very tough and, you know, strong competition, but I was able to have a bit of... Uh, I suppose people didn't realise who you were and gave you a little bit of latitude in the first year and uh, you were able to get a bit of the ball and and we had enough wins on the board to be competitive in most games without being one of the top sides. But uh, I think we finished, just from memory, I think we finished just outside the uh, the five in them days. So Yeah. Uh, no, it was a very consistent year without without being top of the wazzer, you know. I can still remember on 3AW the opening of the 1989 Grand Final when it was, you know, uh, knocked down to Bairstow, hand past abuse, yablet! And there's Dermot laying on the uh, the ground and Yatesy looking like a cat that just tipped over a bowl of milk. It uh, it looked amazing. I was with Ron Barassi, John Newman and Robert Walls at the time, but it looked amazing from the commentary position. It must have been amazing for you to see one of the greatest centre-half forwards of all time, looking like a freshly killed uh, sheep in the middle of the ground. Well, funnily enough, it wasn't, Rex, because it was uh, a, pre, a pre-planned uh, exercise. I see. Uh, so I actually expected him to be knocked over. But unfortunately, uh, just the grace of the man uh, went down the forward pocket and still kicked a couple of goals after they thought he was buggered. So uh, yeah. he, he'd been uh, running into the square and knocking the on-ballers over all year. Yes, and Blighty was pretty keen to uh, to level the ledger a little bit, so uh, it was pre-planned uh, the uh, of Yatesy to run into him. Yeah, take us back to the meetings. Taking us back when Blighty just said, "This is what we're going to do." Tell us about some of the expressions on the face, 
And I reckon well, we've all been there in the big time. Uh, the anticipation must have been amazing because that's what we go for is a physical contest. Yeah, and he, uh, uh, the basic setup of what uh, Yatesy did was, was basically set up between them and uh, a couple of them. So he didn't have to involve the, the, the group knew about it, but he didn't have to involve the whole group uh, yeah. with, with the uh, nitty gritty of it all. We just had to play the game and, and Yatesy was going to uh, do his thing. So, uh, uh, you know, to what extent it knocked him over. Uh, probably the only mistake he made was probably they should have sent the centre half back down with him when he went down to the forward pocket because yeah. he was a bit too tall for Stephen Hawking when he went down there. So, uh, and when you can, it was an amazing game. But when you consider, I think we were forty-five points down at half time. Yes, you were. Uh, um, you know, we were well and truly behind the eight ball, and to get back to within five points was uh, just one of those unbelievable games. And when the siren went, I think the ball was crossing our half forward flank going towards goal. It was. So, we were all over yeah. like the rash, but... Oh, yeah. The injuries of the day and just the fierceness of the competition still make it, uh, you know, probably the greatest uh, game that I broadcast. That includes many, many uh, hundreds of games. Um, Paul Couch, the garbologist, the left footer, number seven in the centre. Uh, we lost him this year. And uh, you were magnificent, along with the family and the other people at the memorial service. And I can still hear your words... Um, you know, Couchy would just say, if you ever get a chance to talk about me, don't waffle on. And, and that was such was the case of the man from Boggy Creek, a unique man who has just been such a loss, Mark Besto. He has been, Rex, and, uh, you know, I, I uh, miss him greatly. He was, uh, he was just one of them blokes that, uh, you know, he, he, uh, he was always laughing and giggling, but he was very serious <laughs> underneath and, uh. He just put up this persona that everything was all right, everything was a hundred percent, but it maybe it wasn't, you know. And yeah. uh, he, he just had the ability, an enormous ability himself as a player, and uh, probably at times if he if and he'd say himself that uh, the, the best year he had was in '89 when he was the fittest he ever was. So, oh yeah, uh, he was a you know a terrific mate of mine, and uh, we had a great understanding of ourselves and. Uh, and I still recall uh, playing against him in the state game, and I knew I knew him better than most. And uh, and he still danced around me with a big grin on his face. So, you know, he just had that sheer ability to sidestep people who, even if they did know where he was going to go. Yeah. Uh, my research overnight tells me uh, there's something that I hadn't recalled, although I do remember after captaining the 89 losing grand final side, you went home. Uh, what were the circumstances there, uh, uh, you actually worked on the farm and you played in another losing grand final with uh, Lake Grace. What were the circumstances of seeing you go home and then quickly hightail it back in 91, Mark? Yeah, well, in uh, 1990, uh, well, I had a uh, you know, wonderful year in 89, but uh, the farm at home, uh, Dad was uh, under the pump a bit, so it was a sort of a all-round decision, and I thought my long career would be in farming and... Uh, so anyway, we found ourselves back at uh, back at Lake Grace, and they finished uh, last or second last on the ladder, and they asked me to coach them, and I uh, I coached them and playing coach for the year, and we yeah. played off at the grand final, and uh, unfortunately we got beat again. So yeah, um, but we did have a few injuries leading up, and as country footballers know that. Uh, if you have two or three of your best players out of action, well, it makes it very difficult, you know. 
Mark Bairstow has joined us and the time has just flown and I just want enough time to ask you about your passion for uh, racehorses and racehorse training. Uh, you've given a couple of second chances to, to Party Boy and a couple of others that I've been in with Mel Brown and you've turned them into winners. Are you some sort of horse whisperer or what? is it the farm that gave you a love of animals? Yeah, I think definitely, Rex. I think, uh, you know, you grow up uh, handling a lot of stock and, you know, sheep and cattle and, and um, you know, just for the love of dogs, you know, any animal. And it's just, I think patience is the, uh, the key with, a, with with human beings, I, I believe, as well. And I, and I also believe it's great with uh, race tours training that, uh, um, you know, if you have enough patience and, and think about what you're doing and don't rush them, you know, they're just like us. They, they're trying to learn the process and they get hunted through their early process uh, because they've got a bit of ability and all of a sudden they find themselves on the outer because uh, they've put in a few bad performances and things have got a bit ahead of them. But if you're patient and work on a few of their, you know, problems and try and get them feeling as good as you can, I think, you you know, you can turn some of them around and have some success, some success you know. It's beautiful to have a chat with you, Mark, and I just hope you take it that... Uh special people that I ask uh, for a reason and I don't want to embarrass you but when the history of this great game is finally written you'll take your rightful place uh, as one of the greats and thank you for your time today. Thanks very much Rex, thanks for having us on the show. Former captain of the Cats and Western Australian star Mark Bairstow and if you'd like like to hear further excerpts of this particular uh, show uh just log on to facebook.com forward slash Tobin Brothers Funerals where you can follow us on Twitter at Rex Footy Life. And the only thing that twits around here is my canary. Thank you very much.